Sound of Truth starts now. Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, as we seek to inform, inspire, and encourage you in your walk with Christ through engaging interviews of ordinary people in whom God is doing an extraordinary work. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited that you've chosen to join us. All right, it's great to have you on the show, Rodney, and we wanted to just have you share a little bit about your wonderful TV show, the hit program, Small Town Big Deal with No Comma. Yeah, with No Comma after Small Town. Small Town Big Deal. <laughs> a lot of people make that mistake. So. Yeah. Before we talk about the show, though, I'd like for you to just share briefly your, your testimony, how you came to faith in Christ, raised in a Christian home, etc. Yeah, I was raised in a very traditional Christian home in a, in a very rural community community in southern Illinois. I mean, I was raised on a farm, but near a small community. And um, But yeah, parents, very devout Christians. Um, I would still say my dad is maybe one of the best Christians I've ever met in my life, and I lived with him. So, you know, you find out how people really are then. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom the same way. And, uh, you know, we were... I had a I had a drug problem as a young child because I got drugged to church every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night, you know. And then Thursday night, you know what was on Thursday night? Come oh. on, you guys aren't as old as I. That was Thursday night visitation. Oh, that's when Thursday you went visiting people. Yeah. Mm. So uh, you know, see, you guys aren't even. Uh, you know, I know you're not even got. You didn't have as bad a drug problem as I did. <laughs> so um, yeah, we went in a small country church. Um, you know. Back with the had the boards up there, and we had like thirty. Is that 35. church still going? It still is going. Yeah, which which is it? Still City Missionary Baptist Church. Okay, yeah. Southern Baptist, but they call it, some Southern Baptists call themselves Missionary Baptist churches. Then, but right, not that okay. it matters what religion it was. I mean, we were we were Christians, right? You know, so right. I don't try not to get too tied up in religions, but you know, I just believe denominations and are, flavors. Yeah. That's what I call them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's about Which a relationship tribe. with yeah. Christ. It's not right. about religion. So, Amen. so, uh, you can be Catholic or anything. And, and, or, and as long as you have a relationship that you can be Southern Baptist to be lost as can be. So that's right. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I grew up in that great home. I mean, you know, people talk about their childhood and, you know, they want to forget this. I, I mean, I, I want to remember everything about my childhood. It was that good. So, right. you know, growing up a far, on a farm, I, I love farming. I love the taking care of animals and raising corn and crops and working on fences and, you know, all that stuff that really taught me to work. And, uh, and then, you know, I had made a profession of faith when I was like in, in first grade. I went forward in Bible school because everybody else was, you know, mm-hmm. going forward. And um, but I didn't get saved, and I knew it. Right. I said I did, but I knew I didn't get saved. So I was not fooling myself, even though I was trying to fool everybody else. And so this went on then, and you know, so going, you knew at this point you weren't saved. Oh, I knew. It, I, okay, it was no just, doubt in my mind. This is what I need to do. It was the yeah. social pressure. Yeah, at the time. it was social yeah. pressure, and uh, so then you know. Um, was constantly, you know, back, this is in the 60s and early 70s, and you guys are younger than me, but that's when a lot of uh, uh, fire and brimstone preaching was happening. Mm. You don't hear that much anymore, uh, but it was back then, and it was a scary time. You know, going to church was scary for me because I was reminded constantly, yeah. and then when I laid down at night, you know, I knew I was afraid I was going to die and go to hell, and and um, this went on, and I had stomach problems uh, Later, in, when I was in first and second and third grade. But anyway, I, I didn't get saved until just before my 16th birthday. And, and on, on, on Labor Day of 1972, that on the Sunday night after, before Labor Day, I guess, Sunday night before Labor Day, so September 2nd, 1972. But we were talking at home, and uh, uh, 
my sister was her de- her husband's a preacher, and she'd said how they'd made the wrong uh, move going to seminary and how it caused them some issues just because of other things and and she was crying and everything and and I remember looking at my dad and saying, "You know, Dad, I don't know if I'm a Christian, which which was a lie because I knew I was lost as could be, but right." And so we kneeled down and he, you know, I asked God to come into my life and there was no, no doubt about, it. you know, I was always looking that it was going to be, I wanted this great experience. I wanted to jump the pews or, or, or have this great awakening, right. but it's not like that. You know, it's, it's just, you ask and he forgives and that's it, yeah. all there is to it. And, and I finally understood that. I didn't really understand how to be saved maybe until maybe a month or two before I actually got saved. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, funny, you go to church all that time, and you never really get it. Yeah, yeah. The and, eyes have to be open. and being in a household, yeah. Be, yeah, where we're praying before every meal, and my father is, you know, being the great dad and and yeah. Christian leader that he was, and yeah. So it's funny. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I I admire people who hear it the first time and get saved because mm-hmm. they got a lot better understanding. Than that. I'm pretty hard headed, I guess, and and not very smart. But yeah. but thank God he didn't give up on me. And and uh, so you know I've never doubted it since that day. I've um, I know what happened right then, and mm-hmm. and uh, very grateful. And I've you know been a horrible Christian most of my life since then. But but uh, God's a forgiving God, and mm-hmm. and um, thank goodness for that. Amen. 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 So. Were you baptized the first time? I was. And then baptized again after that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Similar to, to me, um, mm-hmm. although I still don't know to this day whether I was truly saved at 10 years old or right before my 16th birthday. Probably was right before my 16th birthday, I think, now. But um, yeah, wow, okay. I didn't yeah. realize that was your story. I thought you became a Christian as a child. So I'm glad, glad you yeah, shared that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. I mean, I don't know if this is a comfort to those at home, but to think... That you were living, you, you know, you professed faith at first grade, and then it was what all the way to high school, and then you, you know, you finally got saved. There's a whole kind of you know everybody thinking that you had done it back then, but you knew like you still need to wrestle with the Lord about this, and yeah. the Lord won. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> amen. <laughs> it's funny that you talk that you bring you talk about the fire and brimstone because I think you're right. There's not. There's not, not much, much of that. that today, but the Lord. It's all used... about love, but you know, there's a whole other side to God. Yeah, it, it, for those who, <laughs> have, who would remember the when I was sharing my testimony, that's exactly what the Lord used for me. It was a, a very old fashioned fire and brimstone, open air preacher, which the Lord used to make me. I lay my head down at, at night, and like, if any part of what He just said is true, I'm in trouble. Yeah, so I think we might need to return to some of that. Yeah, well, it's, mean, it's the full gospel. Our people, because everyone is just like. God's love, He'll forgive me. Yeah, no repentance needed anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't even have to affiliate with Christ anymore in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. You know, hey, well, He's a forgiving God; He'll forgive. That's that's what Jesus was about. So yeah. it people don't if fear I God him or not, right? And and and, and the Bible commands us many yeah. times to fear God. That's and, the and beginning that's of when, wisdom. Yeah, when they start reading and they're like, "Why is the Bible telling me to fear God?" Yeah, what, what is that? Doesn't and it doesn't make sense in their brain. It's like, well, but that's biblical. Like, so for those who do believe there is a Satan, that they think we're supposed to fear him. And Jesus says, don't fear him. Exactly. Yeah, don't fear him who can fear. take your life. Fear him who can take your soul. Right. right. And that's God alone. You grow up in this Christian home. Mm-hmm. You meet Kendra in high school? Um, actually, after high school and college. Okay, in college. I was, yeah. 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 And you guys have been married 42 years. Yep. She lived only a mile and a half from me, but I, she went to a different school than me. She was from the country, too. and. 
And so we met. She on went a to blind, Thompsonville, and you went yeah, to Benton. Yeah. Uh, yep. And so I, we met on a blind date. Oh wow! Oh cool! My yeah. dad met my mom on a blind date as well. <laughs> Those things can work out pretty good. Yeah. You eventually end up in the tractor industry. Yeah. And serve as an uh, uh, executive in the tractor industry. You leave that and pursue this dream. Yeah. Of a TV show. So I always say I was born a, born a farmer and I hope to die a farmer. And if I die today, that will, I will have succeeded. So that's probably my first passion is farming and, and the love of farming. But I also did other, I always had a full-time work somewhere else also. And I was in construction early in my life and I was a basketball coach as well as in construction. I was actually coach of the year in junior high in 1984 in Illinois. Um, and then, um, then I got into the tractor industry and, in, in uh, I got, I, 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 I had someone who who wouldn't pay me about a quarter of a million dollars or so can collectively, uh, and it caused me to lose my construction company, which was the best thing that ever happened to me, seriously. Mm. And uh, I probably would still be fighting that today if it wasn't. And it sent my life in a whole different direction. And I got into the tractor industry, and with God's blessing, had some success, and eventually became from a territory manager became the CEO of for J.B. Hunt uh, in a new company that we took from $2 million in annual sales to $80 million in annual sales in wow. just three years, and then became CEO. That was Montana Tractors. That was company. Montana Tractors. And then J.B. Hunt's the, the trucker. Yes, the truck's the largest trucking company in the world. He was worth $3.5 billion. He taught me so much. He's the only guy I ever met that got up at 3.30 in the morning and prayed and read his Bible for two hours. I, I don't know many other people. Actually, I know no other people who right. do that. He was just a great guy. Taught me so much. He was in my office every day for three and a half years until he died. And but just an awesome guy, awesome Christian. Um, somebody I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Both, you know, he he only had a sixth grade education. He he always joked it. Uh, just think how rich I'd have been if I had left after the fourth grade. <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> he had a great set. He had a, he was a simple kind of guy, even though he was a billionaire. That that he liked to tell the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. And it's really simple if you think about it. If you made a dollar a second, you'd be a millionaire in eleven days. It'd take you thirty-five years to be a billionaire. There's a big Whoa. difference between yeah. millionaires and billionaires. But so I was very fortunate. He gave me my first chance. He believed in me and, and made me CEO, and it worked out good for him, too. And, and um, then he died. Um, so his death was unexpected. Slipped on was, the ice and, and, and hit his head on December 7th of 2006 and died three days later. Really never gained consciousness. And mm-hmm. that, was, he was, that was a big blow to you, too. That was a big it? blow. I mean, he was 81. Um, it turned my life upside down. It sent me on a totally different trajectory. And then through a serendipity thing, three months later, I left the company and became CEO of McCormick Tractors. McCormick International, which I thought was my dream job, I was, their North American headquarters was in Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta. It was a nightmare from the get-go, where everything was perfect in Arkansas when I was with JB, and everything's just, seen, you know, God, everything fell into place. Well, I still think it was God's will for us to go there, but it sure wasn't fun. And I remember... Before my family got there, it was there, a wilderness time. experience. It was a wilderness in terms experience of your career, for me. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I had a lot of success there, but then I found out about fraud that the owners in Italy were were committing, and um, I was faced with a very, very, very wow. tough decision to either sign an audit that I would have been committing a felony, right? And I chose not to, and I got fired, and it cost me to. Um, a very high-paying job. Well, all that was serendipity, too. There's a lot to that story that I don't want to get into right now. But then um, I had this dream to start this TV show. And I had that for quite a while before this. I actually started back at Montana Tractors. And uh, when I, I was a really shy kid growing up, 
people don't believe that today. But there's this picture of me of all the family, and I'm on the front row, and I'm a little kid, and I'm like this. I didn't even <laughs> want to look at a camera. Uh-huh. So I'm very different today. I think a lot of things changed that. But um, had this dream to start the show, and, and we shot a pod. When we moved to Atlanta, my best friend there is now my executive producer. And I told him about this dream I had to start this TV show about the real America, I called it at the time. And when you say dream, because a lot of Christians— God speaks to them through dreams, and a lot of times they get dreams that then they pursue. It wasn't a literal night, night dream. You're talking about dream in the sense of the word that we often use it. This was something you desired to do, yeah. you dreamed about doing. I just kind of had a vision. Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I've started a lot of companies in my life, and, um, and I, I wanted to do this, and I did nothing about it. You know, right. I've never been on TV, but, but when, when, the, when I was at Really how it started was when I was CEO at Montana, the marketing company that we had that did our national advertising, they thought I would be good on the national commercials to represent the company. And I'm going, I'm a real shy guy. I'm not going to, you know, I'll be terrible. And they just insisted. And after a few months, I I agreed to try to do a commercial for Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, I've heard other people on TV say this same thing. Even though I was a very shy person, um, when I got in front of the camera, it's like I had a relationship with the camera, and I mm-hmm. loved it from the very first second. Right. Wow. And and uh, it's strange, I know, but it, it it is very different. And and so I had this dream. So then it started. Hey, I'd like to do this more. So uh, then I just, but I didn't know anything about it. So it just went on for several years. And when I met him, I told him about it. And he, he, he was in the TV industry. So he said, hey, let's get, I got to know these guys. Let's get together. We shot this a pilot. This is Roger. Roger. Over in Atlanta a, now. Yeah, yeah. Over a period of time, we shot a pilot, like over a year or two. Had a different host, co-host at that time. It worked out that we couldn't work everything out together. And uh, a marketing firm in St. Louis who really helped him, my, my best friend, uh, one of my very best friends in life, Mike Turley, is, was the CEO there of Osborne Bar, which is the largest ag marketing firm in America. They really got behind it, and he said, you know, really you need a female co-host, and he did all this other stuff, and we made these changes. We shot another pilot, um, and we got a network to want us, and we got on the air in RFD on September 6, 2012. And, and RFD stands for Rule... Real free delivery, you know, you have to you have to be as old as me to really know what that means. But it's a rural network that right. kind of focuses on rural America. Um, and so we were on there, and we did very well. We're still on there today. We're still on that network. But then our big break is we went into syndication in 2015. We were on 85 stations at first, and now we're on 286 stations across America, and it grows every week just about. But, but um, That's amazing. So we're all over America. We're on ABC in New York, ABC in Chicago, Philadelphia, CBS in Los Angeles. Uh, ABC in Atlanta, you know, just to name a few, and 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 we've had good ratings. We're one of the highest rated uh, syndicated shows on TV in the top. I say highest rated in the top one hundred. And um, how so, many shows are in syndication? So we've we have about a hundred and forty. Oh, how many shows are in syndication? Oh, probably thousands. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. Uh, definitely hundreds. Yeah. There's several thousand shows on TV. Uh, I, I just heard that number last week, but I can't remember exactly. There's so many channels now. This isn't the, oh, yeah. the TV we grew up with at the three, yeah. three stations and yes, yeah. yeah, that's what I grew up with. Right. So it's really changed, but yeah, and so um, that's kind of how. Yeah. Then when we went into syndication, we started getting national acclaim. But really, I, I need to jump way back and, so, and talk about After a critical motive. Right. Is that when we debuted on RFD TV on on September 6, 2012, something big happened, and my co-host now. 
who is Jan Carl, who was on Entertainment Tonight for 14 years and really a star in Hollywood, um, heard about the show and reached out to us and said, it's the show I've always wanted to do. Would you consider working with me? And I'm like, you want to work with me? Right. I mean, you know, I'm nobody. You're a big star. You when can you do got whatever. the email from her initially, it, you thought it was a joke. Yes, I did. A it prank came, somebody was pulling it, on it you. It came to our executive producer, and he almost didn't even forward it to me because he thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. And because she called me her hero in there, I don't ever let her forget that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> have it framed. And then, uh, um, then she went on and told a little bit about it and gave me her cell phone number and then her lat her she ended with i'm not a stalker (laughs) (laughs) that's great so we talked over a couple of months wrote these long emails back and forth trying to get to know each other and then i said hey we need to we need to meet so we met in los i went out there and met with her in pasadena where she lived and and um we spent two days together pretty much talking through this and we kind of came to an agreement i said okay come to atlanta if if everything goes well with my team then we got a deal and she always says I made her do a screen test, but that's not true. I just wanted to see how we looked on camera together because she's obviously this gorgeous blonde, and, and uh, I'm, uh, I didn't want to look like Mutt and Jeff or something, you know. But it turns out we kind of look like uh, the the guy the guy and the girl next door. So so uh, and we have this great chemistry on camera, which has really mm-hmm. made the show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can have a show about anything if the characters are good enough, and. Right. Um, I guess we just good characters. I don't know. But together we have this chemistry. We're constantly joking with each other, kind of like we were doing earlier. Yep. And and we just kind of, we, we've, I know what she's going to say before she says it, you know, and I mean, we're, she's talking over me and I'm talking over her. And, and that makes good TV. You know, it's not, right. it's not scripted. And, right. um, and then we go all over America and tell these great stories. It was actually filmed in 44 states so far. Mm-hmm. So we want to do all 50 and then. And a lot of states we've done many, many times. Yeah. We shot over 300 segments in our, in the, Nine years almost that we've been filming now, so mm-hmm. it's been a journey. It ain't been easy because we own the show along with some investors. That means we got to make payroll every week and we got to do all this stuff, and it's really challenging. I've, it's taking all of my business expertise in God's hand mm-hmm. for us to get through this. Um, really, I should just say His hand. You know, I, I'm always reminded of Psalms uh, 127:1 that except God build the house, you labor in vain. Yep. And, and boy, is that ever true and and most of the time i'm trying to build it on my own you know (laughs) it's the constant struggle yeah (laughs) and um so that's that's been the challenge uh, for us but we've made it this far and nine years in tv is an eternity you know for us Mm -hmm. to have survived this long and yeah yeah. you know when when you look at that nielsen list when sometimes we show up in the mid 60s or the 70s every show above us is owned by warner brothers or sony or cbs syndication or all of that and every show behind us for the next 100 or so is also owned by all wow. those big and then there's little small town big deal owned by small town big deal <laughs> so you're the yeah. david amidst the goliaths of the, right. of the really TV have industry been. we as somebody in the industry said we've cre- created a unicorn cuz they don't even know what to do with us nobody does what we did right wow what we've done people write us all the time you have the best jobs in the world well we do have a great job, but there's also another side to it that's really challenging, and that sure. is keeping it all together. Join us next week on Sound of Truth for part two of our interview with Rodney Miller. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share with your friends. Thanks. The music is by Canon and is used with permission. This podcast is copyrighted by Brett Amorani, 2021.